Hi, it's Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest uh, vodcast. And this one's on the incidental small neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas. What do we do with them? And it's interesting, uh, the reason this comes up now is CT is so good that we pick up small vascular pancreatic lesions. In the past, we had a 30% accuracy for picking up neuroendocrine tumors. Now our accuracy is 95 plus percent, but we pick up many incidental lesions. And the question is what to do about them. And I thought this would be something for discussion in part because there is no absolute conclusion. Now, we do spend a lot more time about thinking about the incidental pancreatic cyst, not the neuroendocrine tumor. And, you know, there are many rules, and the rules are kind of changing. This was the ACR. Surgery should be considered for patients with cysts over 3 cm. If the lesion is a serous cyst adenoma, surgery is deferred to at least 4 cm. Patients with simple cysts under 3 cm can be followed. With attempts to characterize cysts larger than 2 cm, if this cannot be done on the available imaging, MR can be done. Cysts under a sonometer cannot be further characterized by imaging, but can be followed up less frequently, and perhaps in older patients with comorbidities, don't follow them at all. Now, of course, the reason we follow cysts is we worry about IPMNs, developing malignancies, this whole idea about uh, pre-malignant nodules, this whole idea about dysplasia, is one of the important topics in pancreas. But we're not going to address that topic today. We're going to talk about neuroendocrine tumors. Small percent of all pancreatic neoplasms, and some are functioning and some are not, and perhaps we should say they're all functioning. Some are hyperfunctioning and some are not. The local invasiveness of the tumor will vary. Some may be syndrome-related, like MEN1, and surgery is the typical treatment of choice. Article by Rossi, 33 patients suspected of having a functioning tumor of the pancreas were studied with CT. 31 cases confirmed surgically. Of the 31, 21 had insulinomas, 5 Zollinger-Ellison syndrome, 5 assorted apodomas. CT was positive in 71% of cases, negative in 29%. 22% of them were false negative and 6.4% true negative. And we are getting better. This was 1985, and this was really impressive because most people were reporting 30 to 40% accuracy. But now remember with thinner sections, faster scanning, dual phase imaging, we pick up neuroendocrine tumors incidentally. You look at this case, you look at the image on your right, venous face, the pancreas looks normal. No dilated duct, no dilated common duct, no mass effect. But look at an arterial phase on the left. There's an obvious vascular lesion present classic neuroendocrine tumor. These tumors often, even when they're relatively large like this case, do not distort the pancreas and do not cause any duct dilatation. Now, we can look at neuroendocrine tumors and recognize that not all of them are so perfectly vascular. They can be cystic, as in this lesion in the tail of the pancreas, or this lesion in the head of the pancreas with hypervascular changes, nodularity, and cystic changes, or in this case, we're a large neuroendocrine tumor with liver metastasis. Now, it's impossible to judge whether these neuroendocrine tumors are malignant unless you see areas of spread of disease, though the larger lesions undoubtedly tend to be more likely to be malignant. And the neovascularity in these lesions are particularly nicely seen in the MIP imaging, and the ability to pick up metastasis 
particularly into the liver, are particularly well seen when you look at the vascular lesions like in this example. Now, when we talk about pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors with presentation, we talk about insulinomas and patients present with hypoglycemia, gastrinomas, ulcer disease, leukogonomas, VIPomas, somatostatinomas. But again, those are the hyperfunctioning tumors. When you ask what the best technique is, there are a number of techniques that can be used, but CTA tends to be the best. So pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors, often called peanut tumors. Incidental findings, as 70% of the lesions are non-functioning. The frequency of detection of the incidental neuroendocrine tumor is based on the protocols you use, multi-phase acquisition, and contrast rate, and timing. The, uh, a few articles, this article recently, incidental detection of neuroendocrine tumors has increased over the last decade due to advances in imaging studies. Reliable imaging-based characterization is crucial for differential diagnosis for other exocrine tumors and to determine the appropriate management plan. Very important. So examples. Look at this 5-millimeter lesion. Very subtle incidental finding. Or this 5-millimeter lesion here. Very easy to see because of the uh, spatial resolution of the scanner and the patient's vascularity. It's a very, very nice example of that. And you can see it on these images, or you can see it as well as on the 3D MIP reconstruction. Often the MIP reconstruction, particularly in the liver, will see sites of metastasis, but sometimes it's very easy to walk by small tumors, particularly you're not looking for them, and they're very tiny. At times, it can be confused with a mesenteric vessel. Or this example here where, you know, it's hard. There's actually a small tumor in the tail of the pancreas. It's cystic with an enhancing rim. Very easy to overlook that tumor. So there is a spectrum of involvement of these lesions. Okay, so now we're saying we can pick up small neuroendocrine tumors, and these very tiny ones are typically non-functioning, though to be fair, insulinomas average 1.1 centimeters, so they're pretty small. But what about these non-functioning or non-hyperfunctioning lesions? Certain thoughts. All tumors greater than 2 centimeters should be resected, typically with a formal anatomic resection, including negative margins and regional lymph nodes. The question is, what about a centimeter or less? Those two examples of small tumors I showed you, can they be followed? Well, some studies suggest that short-term short follow-up is indeed a good strategy, Though others say perhaps you should do a nucleation for these smaller tumors. Um, the question is, you know, you do a nucleation, you're not going to do a lymph node dissection. But again, the size make a difference. In nucleation, tumor recurrence after nucleation is one concern. One series demonstrated an 8% risk of recurrence after a nucleation of small incidental neuroendocrine tumors with less than five years follow-up. The precise size threshold whereby a nucleation may be safely performed for non-functioning neuroendocrine tumors is therefore unclear. In this article by Farrell, he made the point about the problem with predicting clinical behavior of tumors. Neuroendocrine tumors that behave aggressively with a malignant course may have bland cytologic features, while some tumors with previously described malignant features may behave in a benign or indolent fashion. So again, it's somewhat tricky. 
article by Herrera suggested that non-functioning asymptomatic neuroendocrine tumors under 2CM with a KI67 index of under 2 carry a low risk of metastasis and can be observed, especially in older patients. However, because metastasis may occur with smaller neuroendocrine tumors, patient physicians should consider patient's age, location of the tumor, risk of operation to determine whether the patient should be operated on or whether the patient should be followed. Again, it's somewhat of a challenge. Again, this whole idea with these new markers being developed, can we be more accurate in predicting who will versus who will not recur? So that indeed is very important. So I've left you maybe with more questions than answers. I think people feel comfortable under 1CM watching if it's non-functioning, but there's no precise science in that. The smaller the lesion, the less likely it is to metastasize, but it's not perfect. This whole idea about surveillance strategies is something that's evolving. Once a tumor is functioning, I think no one is going to argue it needs to be removed. It gets rid of the symptomatology, and the functioning tumors are the ones that are more commonly going to be malignant. So with that, I'll stop there, and if you have any questions, raise your hand, and we'll answer them. Okay? No questions? See you tomorrow. Bye.